to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. All right, here we go with Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you the same. It's a great episode today, not short of any pain, because if you watched any New York sports, and I'm Andrew, I'm not talking about hockey. I don't know how the Rangers or the Islanders did today, just to get that out of the way. If you watched any New York sports today, the Mets, the Yankees, the Knicks, it was all pain. And who I like to... Oh, yeah, there we go. Wow, that's that's kind of rude of me to not even think of the Nets. But they've been winning so much lately, we don't even count them. They're also not a real New York team. I guess so. That's that's like a... It's a harsh thing to say, but it's like... It feels it feels okay. Anyways, let's bring in the guys. No one else I'd rather feel this pain with than my guys. We got the designated hitters. Plus one. We'll get to him in a minute. Alec Argento, first and foremost. What's up, brother? What's up? And Andrew Kalanya, how we doing? Doing all right, doing all right. Ready to break down the the number one thing on everybody, not even just New York. I think the entire country has has got the fever. Did anyone oh see that new Ghostbusters teaser today with the little mini Stay Puff Marshall men? Uh, all Adorable. right, and Paul also Rudd. Frightening at the same time. Was it Paul yeah, Rudd? Paul Rudd. It was. It was. It was fantastic. I didn't make it to the part that I think you're talking about. I saw it on Instagram and I saw Paul Rudd. I was like, I like Paul Rudd. And then like eight seconds went by. I was like, swipe. That was it. That's no, all I had. It's, in it's me. great. It's it's adorable. It's little mini Stay Puft Marshmallows, and they all they're all basically killing themselves. It's 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 adorable and it's frightening uh, you, at the same time. You reeled me so back in this movie in November. You, yeah. you reeled me back in with that last part there. Little little marshmallow yeah. guys killing themselves. Sign me up. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was I was waiting for an obscure baseball stat that you were coming with, but you kept me on my toes yet again with Ghostbusters. Uh, but also joining us right now. First time on the podcast, he's going to be helping out. He'll be on a bunch of episodes moving forward. His name is Michael Bonfield. Mike, what's going on? What's going on, guys? Thank you for having me on. Looking forward to being a part of the show going forward. Yeah, man. We got some fresh blood in here. I think Alec and I have been doing this podcast for, I don't even know. Four years? Four years. We've been doing this. Three or four years. It's been a minute. Andrew's been doing it for two years. How long has Aaron Judge been in the league? That was the first thing I said was that I'm excited about him coming into camp. This would be his... 2017. Wow. Four years. Damn, he's not like a new guy anymore. That's kind of weird. We're talking about yeah. Aaron Judge, of course, because we're going to be talking Yankees in a minute. But, Mike, welcome to Subway Sports Talk. We're happy to have you. Um, and before we do get into the Yankees and the Mets, because we're going to be talking baseball. It's the beginning of baseball season. We're excited. That excitement comes with some pain. Some other pain comes along with the New York Knicks. So let's do some passing words and thoughts here. Another tough loss down to the wire could not quite close the door again. And as we've talked about on this very podcast, a number of times closing is an issue. We want the defense to be the closer, but you still got to put the ball in the hoop. And when you face teams like the Celtics who have had a really bad season by all metrics for them, they're still a little bit better than Knicks. And that top end talent takes them over the hump. The Knicks quite can't reach. So Alec can't quite reach. That's better. It's better, you know, way to say that. Alec, Knicks, thoughts quickly. Is it just the endings are, that are frustrating to you, or is there more to the story here? Uh, a couple things. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's 
we didn't make a deal at the deadline, right? And, and you live with that because you don't want to give up any assets for, for the future. But with that comes the fact that other teams got better. Other teams have depth uh, that they didn't have before. And it's going to, you know, you're missing out on something key, which is we don't have a closer. And I love Julius Randle. He's been awesome this year. He's having, I think the wear and tear on the season is wearing on him a little bit. Um, and he's not a closer. He's just not. He doesn't have that kind of big shot. And we're not leaning on RJ enough. RJ has been unreal lately. I think he's made 15 of his last 21 threes. Um, and I, he's clearly the type of guy that takes things to heart, which is what you want, right? He's the, after that Anthony Edwards uh, call out, after not making the rookie team, he's just constantly getting better in the things that he needs to get better. In, and it's very apparent. Um, so, you know, it, it sucks because we're missing these close games, but, you know, at the same time, you, you have to like kind of ground yourself and, and say, oh, well, you know, we also were projected like 20 wins this year. So <laughs> the fact that we are past the, our, our season projections already, you kind of live with this. They're still probably going to make the playoffs in some capacity, whether it's a play-in tournament or not. Um, and these are what you learn, right? This is what you want the young kids to learn is how to close these games. And it sucks because it reminds me of when we were like actually trying to win, uh, to, to win every season and we were blowing those one-point games and you know, people were hitting these these buzzer beaters on us, and, and it just killed us in the in the KP and the and the, the mellow eras. Mm. Um, but um, you know, you got to think that hey, this team has the lowest payroll in basketball, right? They have a core, and they have picks, and they have money to spend. So you know, it sucks when you see it in action, but when you take a step back and you can actually digest it a little bit you know, this season, we're going to get somebody, there's no way we're not going to get somebody with with the assets that we have available and the money we have available, whether it's Alonzo or trading for a Beal or a cat or, or, or whatever, or D'Lo or whatever the case is, you know, you're going to upgrade from Alfred Payton, who has been a net negative uh, in every aspect of his game this year. So, I mean, having a, having a legitimate point guard, which it seems we could probably get at some in some capacity in this draft, uh, I mean, uh, in this offseason, it makes it a little bit more palatable, but in the moment, it friggin' sucks to watch <laughs> to watch. We're 2-8 and eight in, in games decided by three points or less, and it seems like we're just constantly in the past, like, three or four weeks in these these close games, so it sucks. It, it's it's compounded by the fact that the Yankees lost, and mm. I can't, you know, it's nice to have, like, an emotional hedge there when, when the Yankees can win and the Knicks lose or vice versa, so... I don't know. It, it, it sucks, but I also like if I have like an hour or two to digest it, I can feel a little bit better and just say, OK, well, this season we were supposed to be the worst team in basketball. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're striking while the iron's hot. I got a text from you within the hour, you know, before we started recording. Oh, great. The Knicks and Yankees both just blew it within seconds. Like, yep. I, but we're, we're in the luxurious point of life where the, the Knicks are playing meaningful basketball still while the Yankees are even playing. You know, when was the last time the Knicks were playing meaning, meaningful basketball when baseball season started? So, yeah. it, it, I, I, you know, not to repeat everything you just said. It's I usually my agree. segue to just basically the Knicks are usually my segue to the end. <laughs> yeah, they just get you to baseball season. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mike, <laughs> let's let's get a take from you. I'm curious what you what your thoughts on R.J. Barrett, the closer, is because Alec just mentioned, you know, he wants to see R.J. close more. Do you think something that would be good for R.J. is to just you know, try it trial by fire, fire, get in there, get your shots up, take your lumps, miss a lot of close games and, and see what happens. See if he grows out of it. Do you want to see RJ get those opportunities? Yeah. So I agree with Alec. Uh, I definitely do not think the Knicks have that go-to guy to take the last shot at the end of the game right now. Uh, I do believe that Julius Randall felt like he was that guy uh, last season. And that 
almost held him back as a player. And since he's gotten away from that, his individual performance and the team's performance have both improved. So I do think that it's good to have that guy to go to. And RJ might be that guy. The only problem is he's a little, still a little young. Uh, he's got some work to do. But like you said, maybe putting up those shots will help him. But you also don't want him to fall in that category that Julius Randle fell into where he has to be the guy. And then now he's hindering his development because he feels like he's that guy and he's being put a little too much pressure on himself being in that situation when he still is a young player and still does need to develop his game. Uh, I Six for six from beyond the arc tonight, uh, which is very impressive shooting. Uh, definitely something that he's been working on and improving his game. And I would like to see that to continue to improve, especially if he is going to take those late shots because sometimes those late shots have to be a three ball. Right. Uh, so I definitely like what I've seen. Uh, I definitely think... He has the potential to be that guy going forward, but I think it's going to take guys around him giving him that confidence. Guys like Julius Randle. So instead of Julius maybe being that guy, maybe half the time he could take the shot and the other half the time he could, you know, kind of give RJ that confidence of, listen, I've been in this spot before. I feel like I'm kind of that guy now, but be this guy with me so we can be the guys and mm. take some of the pressure off each other and help the team win. That's a that's actually a, that's a really good take because you think about around the league all the various you know versions of what we're talking about what RJ could be you think about an Andrew Wiggins type who the trial by fire thing in Minnesota did not work right it didn't help him exactly and people exactly. were calling him a bust until he went to Golden State with a superstar next to him a true superstar because Cat's just like a stat star at this point uh, and now right. it's like oh yeah Andrew Wiggins totally useful guy on a basketball team he's probably not an all star at this point in time but. He's good, and he can do some things. But when he was getting thrown in the fire in Minnesota, he looked like crap. And Donovan Mitchell, on the flip side, we threw him in the fire first season. He was a rookie going into the playoffs for a Jazz team that was competitive, and it led him to a good place, right? So, And now now yeah. they're first place in the Western Conference, best record in basketball. I mean, and you know, Utah's the, looking pretty good, and it paid off. But like you said, yeah, with Wiggins, like Minnesota, not only did that hurt Wiggins' development, but Minnesota hasn't been – a playoff team in years now. I mean, Wiggins was a top pick in the draft out of Kansas, like, you know, for what he was supposed to be. And now sometimes all it takes is a switch of scenery or adding a real superstar. I mean, I think Randall's elevated play has already helped RJ. And, you know, I, hopefully they're just getting started, but we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Jazz have that infrastructure. They had good players. They had a good coach. The Knicks are, like, kind of in between right now. They don't have all the good players, but they have the system. They have the culture. So we're going in a direction. It seems like the right direction for the Knicks, for RJ. And we will talk about that more as we get closer to playoffs. Because now when you look at the standings in basketball, it's like, okay, this is not, you know, all-star break standings where there's so much time for things to change. There's still 20-something games left. So there's time for it to move. It could be good or bad for the Knicks. uh, But the standings is a serious place to, to focus on now and see where the Knicks are going to end up. But that's enough for the Knicks for now because we're talking about them a lot. We have basketball episode coming back next week. This is a baseball episode. And we have to talk about Yankees as Frank and I just hit the Mets on a big episode last week. Andrew, I'm going to start off with you. The Yankees, it's a mixed bag. It's kind of negative right now. Not, you know, negative right now in the sense of the first week of the season isn't going how you would hope it goes. But it's not a long-term panic. Is there one thing, though, in particular where you're saying, all right, this hasn't been good and I was nervous about this before the season. Now I'm nervous about it now and I don't know how it gets better. Is there one thing, though, with the Yankees team that you are actually close to panicking about? 
I mean, it's a it's the first week of baseball. You know, it's it's you're still at the point where one hit can still you know swing your batting average like 40, 40 points up or down. So um, stats look kind of they're they're going to look wonky until you know May June ish, and then you know guys will regress to you know the back of their baseball card. But if there's one thing, it's it's the it's the health and uh, the health of Aaron Judge. Now again, he's he's played five games. One at DH and one, uh, and he had a, had a day off. So he's played four games and already he's a soft tissue issue for the Yankees. And he's, uh, he's going to be evaluated and let's, let's see where, let's see what happens. Um, I, I'm fully expecting him to hit the IL for 10 days, you know, even after resting for a day or two, but it's just, it's just like, it's, I think we've hit the point um, as Yankees fans to, to say, I, I don't think you're ever going to get the Aaron judge of 2017, where he's going to play more than 140 games. I think you, I, you know, 110 games of Aaron judge is probably a lot better than 150 of a lot of other outfielders, but it's just still so disheartening to see this consistently happen to him and uh, w- within the first four games of the season. So that's something I've, I've uh, really really been disheartened about i mean the starting rotation has been you know pretty good they've been pitches uh many innings in the in the blue jay series but you know cole montgomery pitched really well against the orioles and tyan even tonight he pitched four and two thirds and he struck out seven i mean he only allowed those two solo home runs and those were only the only two bad pitches he's thrown all night so the starting rotation has been surprising well the bullpen's been been great king pitching those those clutch six innings on sunday to save the pen when German uh, couldn't uh, get through uh, three innings. So, um, you know, uh, very happy with the pitching staff. Sanchez and Frazier look great and stands look pretty good with that grand slam. So it's just, it's just the soft tissue injury. And it's just Aaron judge um, just constantly just disappointing me. You know, Stan goes two for four tonight. He gets booed. And then I'm sure when Aaron judge sets up the play tomorrow, one's going to cheer. And uh, whenever he, whenever he decides to step back on the field and he's going to get cheered. Like I'm, I'm getting very, very sick of the uh, Stanton doing all run and judge getting all this praise. And, and honestly, like, what is he, what has he done to earn that praise uh, aside from 2017? He's done just as much recently for the Yankees as, as Stanton does. He so got I, his teeth I, fixed. I, dude. I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm very disheartened by the whole thing. Yeah, no, it's tough. And it's sad because we talked about it before the season. I think I made a uh, apology to Yankee fans before the season started for all the injuries that were, were on its way, right? And and look at where we are. We're one week into the season talking about soft tissue injury for Aaron Judge. Right? Wait, what's his injury again? Is that right? I heard you say that. So it's, it's oblique. 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 Yeah, there you go. So, Alec, are you uh, feeling some similar sentiments here? What's your – what's a vibe – give me a vibe check. That's what I wanted to ask you. What's a vibe check for the Yankees right now? because that sigh was a, everything. <laughs> it, well, it's tough because it's tough to say because a, you, I agree with everything Drew just said. Um, Aaron judge, uh, Aaron Boone just said that, that uh, it's too early to say if he's playing on Friday, which you know that that means that there's an aisle stint uh, imminent, which sucks. Um, but um, you know, it, it's, there are some definitely some worrisome things in here and like, you know, it's good to see some of the pitching do well. I don't think anybody was worried about the pitching in terms of their talent. I think what everyone's worried about with the pitching is if they're going to stay on the field, which remains to be seen. If you have everyone, uh, you know, going out there, they're one of the best uh, rotations in baseball, like at least on paper. So 
I'm not really too worried about that, but I was talking to Drew about this before uh, during the game. Um, the Yankees lineup is the jury's out on them, right? You throw flamethrowers, the uh, uh, right-handed flamethrowers at them, they're going to have a hard time putting the ball in play. And that's just evidenced uh, by what's going on right now. And like, I know we were at a point maybe like a year or two ago where it was like, oh, we don't need lefties. We have just such good hitters that it doesn't matter. But our lineup is not broken up at all. And everyone, it, you just you just keep throwing righties out of the bullpen at them. They're just not going to get hits. And it's tough. Like maybe somebody will run into a fastball or, or whatever the case is and it goes out of the, goes, goes out of the, uh, the field. But, you know, it's hard to just constantly being reliant, reliant upon uh, upon um, uh, home runs because we are leaving tons of guys on base. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what the number was today, but it felt like it was at least 11 people on base. Where uh, uh, went uh, Tonight they went close three for 14 Tw- with runners in scoring position. 12 left on base. It was 12, mm-hmm. but that was a great, great guesstimation right there. Yeah. Oh, three for so, 14, and, that's and, 11. And, yeah, I mean... And, you know, to, to speak more of, like, the, the lineup construction that Alec brought up, and it's it's kind of the reason why I'm... Pretty, you know, they went and took the flyer on Odor. Um, you know, lefty guy with pop that can just break kind of break up the lineup a little bit. And, you know, and just... Again, I, I know that, um, you know, that you can't... You're not going to replace any of the starters because all the starters are very good. But, again, part of the, you know... Part of the offseason is you're supposed to strengthen the bench a little bit to be able to send up a pitch hitter when you're they're throwing out those those uh, right-handed flamethrowers that are going to mow down your mow down a right-handed lineup and you know I'm, I'm you know I don't have a high expectations for for Odor but he's intriguing and you know the Yankees do seem to pick up these scrap heaps from from other teams and be able to uh, you know get out of them the most you know they did with Didi and Talkman and Voit. And Hicks and Gio Urshela, they 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 have a really good track record. But again, um, only with Odor's, position players. Mm. Yeah, only with position players. And you know, uh, statistically speaking, Odor had the, there there was uh, by OPS um, base uh, plus slugging um, the worst uh, thirty home run seasons in the history of baseball. Number one, Roget Odor. Number two, Roget Odor. <laughs> two, the the two worst. <laughs> statistical uh, 30 home run seasons in baseball history by the same guy. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah. He actually. Us, but he cost us literally zero dollars. No, nothing, is... nothing. So it's a flyer. So it's, you know, but again, you would, you would like to think that during the off season, that's when you would make these kind of moves uh, to try to strengthen the bench and not, you know, you know, I mean, I'm glad they're pouncing on somebody, but again, I, I have very low expectations. How, how much I does not having Voight have, like hurt the makeup of this lineup, like yeah, the identity you know of this that, lineup. I was thinking about that today because, you know, Voight is uh, the, he's when he's healthy uh, and he's been roughly healthy is pretty, like, he's had, he little, was pretty much your best player last there. year. No, when he's healthy, he's the best, he's the most consistent player on the team outside of DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, right. and that hurts. Like you look at last April and the April before that, if I'm not mistaken, Luke Voigt was just running things uh, for the Yankees when everybody yeah. else is getting out of spring. So that hurts a lot. I will want, I just want to say one thing before I forget. Um, there's two things that are bothering me, you know, that are that are, I think are outliers again, things that I worry about. Glaber Torres cannot play shortstop. And the problem is that you have to live with that. There's no there's nothing you can do about that. Like he's good, he has to play shortstop and he, and he uh, and you need his bat in the lineup and you're not going to put anyone else at shortstop because I feel, you're not going to take like DJ that... off second. 
Yeah, but I feel like a competent first baseman uh, catches two of those uh, two of those throwing errors tonight. Like the, those were like just missing, like Jay Bruce's glove. Like you, sure, you but put, but, like, but he's th- this if, this isn't his first time that he's had some no, throwing errors already this season. No, of course that. No, I I get that, but like it it kind of makes you appreciate what Mark Teixeira did, like when Jeter used to like uh, short <laughs> short throw those those short uh, throws from shortstop all the time, and Teixeira would just pick the pick him like pick the shit out of it every single time. You may appreciate that. Now you're watching Jay Bruce like just whiffing on like very pretty. I'm pretty sure catchable balls. Like, um, but I think when, yeah. I mean when, even when, Luke when, Boyd isn't that great of a defensive first base. One of the most, no, but he can at least he can at least pick the at least he can pick yeah. the ball. One of the most overrated. I mean, sorry, underrated things. I don't even overlook things. You can use a bunch of different verbs here, but or uh, adjectives here. It's. So when you say, oh, there's an outfielder or a catcher or an old third base, well, third base is probably a little different because they have a different skill set, but an outfielder who's slow, a catcher who lost his legs, ah, just put him at first base. Like, he'll be fine. He can catch, right? Like, nah, like, you need competence at first base. And like you just said, you're like, it shows in different times like that. Like, yeah, Torres is getting well, the error I th- in the I box think it's easy. I think it's easy to be to tr- do that transition and be okay at first base. It, it's, it's next to impossible for them to be like actually a, a net positive on defense when they go to first. Right. But, but like you said though, even things that are seemingly average plays for a lot of first basemen for first basemen's by trade are not average plays for someone who just moved to the position within the past couple of years. And Jay Bruce, I mean, yeah, a couple more O for fives and we're not going to feel too good about him in the lineup uh, for much longer. Um, I, I do, Want to talk about the lineup, though, because a big contention point that I've seen, I'm sure you guys have seen, I'm sure you've talked about it, we've kind of danced around it at this point. Alec mentioned the lefties or lack thereof in the lineup. Aaron Hicks is a contention point. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, so, Mike, you haven't been in here in a second. Let me let me hop to you. What are your thoughts about the setup here? You know, because everyone's saying, oh, why is Hicks third in the lineup? Like, he's not the, the, the hitter who belongs there, but he's a lefty or he's a switch hitter, actually, but... You know, you need him there. Where do you land on that debate? Do you have to switch up the lefties and righties, or would you just go one, two, three, four righties if if it's what it is? I have recently been talking to people about the sometimes overthinking that can be done in the game of baseball, where there is so much thought that goes into the lefty-righty matchup um, with, with pitching. And don't get me wrong, it, it's a real thing. It, it's definitely a real thing. And if it wasn't, there wouldn't be so much attention paid to it and there wouldn't be so much strategy behind it. But I do think sometimes teams can overthink it and they wind up putting a player in who strategically because of which side of the plate he hits on may be placed in that position over someone who is just naturally a better hitter or a better baseball player, for example. And I mean, I'm unfortunately, you know, not, not a Yankee fan. I'm a Met fan, but I saw this recently with the Mets in their opening game when they started Kevin Pillar over Dom Smith, which came to a surprise to a lot of fans because Dom Smith, clearly the better bat, um, but Pillar, for the purpose of who was pitching against them that day, was in that lineup, and it wound up hurting them because until the ninth inning, he didn't get a hit all game, especially when he was in a big spot in that game. That could have blown the game open. But, you know, as far as the Yankees go with Hicks, I mean, they it, it really – depends it, it really depends and I, I think that the yankees do have a lot again it comes down to staying healthy as well because as you guys were mentioning earlier aaron judge already you know it seems like he can never stay on the field and that's a huge bat to have in the lineup um stanton's starting we're hoping starting to come around now and give his money's worth 
and uh, you know, it, it really, it, it depends on. So you're kind of saying if they're healthy, Hicks probably wouldn't be there anyway. If healthy Hicks or healthy Yankees lineup. True. You know yeah, I, I guess. Mean? Yeah, that, you're right. Right. And that's, that's the thing. And that's, that's the debate. And it's, something that's been a part of baseball, something that's going to continue to be a part of There's only more strategy being added to this game as it goes forward, as we see with defensive shifts and, like you said, offensive lineup changes. I mean, they have the new rule now where a new pitcher coming into the game has to face at least three batters because before that it was, all right, let's bring in the righty and then he'll face one batter and then, all right, we'll bring in the lefty to face the next batter. And it's just it's, – it's so much strategy and sometimes too much overthinking. Can we talk about rules for a second? Can, can we bring up the fact that, uh, that the uh, extra inning uh, man on second thing is still a thing this year? Yeah. I'd yeah. love to talk I, about I, that. Yeah, I, I, I tweeted and I put it in the group chat that I was like, I completely forgot that it was a thing until it happened on like on opening day. I was like, shit, they're still, they're still doing this? Like, God, <laughs> and, we just, and we don't have a DH in the National League? Come on now. Come on, Rob, Rob Manfred. But like, as far as like lineup construction goes, like – Again, I, I don't think this will be a hot button conversation. You know, Hicks really struggled in the first series, and um, he's you know he didn't really get off to a good start in the first six games. I mean, again, but again, it's six games, so you know people like to make a bigger deal out of the early stats, whether it's good or bad. Either way, and like I get it, and I, I get trying to break up. You know, you don't want uh, two similar type hitters and Judge and Stanton batting back to back, but again. At like a certain point, they did this shit with Didi Gregorius, and they batted Brett Gardner third the other day, like just to break up. Just let, just for the love of God, just let these guys just eat. Just let them eat. You know, it's just weird uh, to me too I, because, like, I, and I'm a, I'm a bigger Aaron Hicks fan than I think anybody else on on this pod, and I think he gets on base, and I think he plays a great center field, and you know he has a little bit of pop, but I, he's just not a number. He's not a number three hitter. Like, I, if, if it was up to me, I'd probably lead him off. And put DJ LeMahieu. If you want to split up, if you want to put a different look. Put DJ LeMahieu third. He's like he's probably the best hitter in the Yankees lineup. You put him third. Put Hicks. Uh, put Hicks at the top of the lineup, and he gets on base just as much as LeMahieu. So like, it's just for the it's just for the simple you know for the fact that you know he bats left handed and you know you're trying to uh, avoid the situation that they the Yankees been finding themselves in uh, with they're bringing in right-handed relievers in at the end of games and they're just mowing them down so they're trying to prevent that but at the you know the the lineup's right-handed you can't one guy is not making that big of a difference if you had it like how it used to be yeah, they ha- used to have like three switch hitters in the lineup with Bernie Posada um I'm forgetting another switch hitter um there used to be three in the lineup uh at the back of the Yankees hey yeah, to share in in their heyday, they used to be, you know. So it's it's um it, it's it, it's a it's it's a it's a, it's a, ongoing. It's a it's a no win situation. Yeah, it's and it's ongoing too. Like this is a big, like you said, hot button topic right now. If Hicks turns around and hits two home runs in the next series, everyone's gonna feel a lot better about it. But like you said, is he a a three hole guy. Like, is he a three hole guy? Yeah. I, I was talking about it with Frank on the podcast. We talked about the Mets with Dom Smith in that situation. It's always funny to me when a player who doesn't play every day, when they're in the lineup, like bat fifth or they bat third or they bat, you know, lead off on their, like on their spot start. It's like, if they're going to be a spot guy or they're not going to start every day, a platoon guy, you would naturally assume they're going to bat at the end of the lineup. Cause they're not good enough to be in the lineup. So if you're going to bat a guy in the top four or five guys in the lineup, 
and then he's not going to play the next day? Like, it's kind of crazy. And also, I looked at Dom Smith's numbers, not that we're talking about him. His lefty splits last year, he was 280 average against lefties last year. Yeah, he was 320 against righties, but he was still kind of good against lefties. Uh, and and I don't know. It, it's a weird concept. I get it. And I guess the Yankees are hamstrung by it. But they're also facing right-handed pitchers in these situations where there's no lefties. These guys face right-handed pitchers, what, 70% of at-bats? Mm-hmm. Maybe more than that? Why is it a why is it a big deal? Like if 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 John Carlos Stanton or Aaron Judge struggle that much against righties, like they wouldn't be who they are. They wouldn't be yeah. who they are. They should be able to to hold their own, move it along, and, and keep the flow. But I think when Hicks turns it around, hits his first home run for the season, we're all going to start to feel a little bit better about it. But then again, yeah, comes course. to playoffs, comes to the crunch time. Do you still want to see him in the three hole? No, but but you no, know, you, not only that, they also put Brett Gardner in the three hole last game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, that it's, is wild. <laughs> that, yeah, they used to do, they used to do it with DD DD all the time. I, again, I love DD. DD makes more Yankee, sense but, than Brett Gardner. Yeah, but D, you know, I like DD too. But DD's not a number three number three hitter. Again, it's supposed to be it's number your number two and three guys are supposed to be your best hitters. And Aaron Tex is a, is a good hitter, but he's not the Yankees' best. He doesn't belong in the spot. It's just it's plain and simple. He has a on base percentage over three fifty, uh, three times or yeah, three of the last four seasons. And uh, twenty nineteen, yeah. he only played just under sixty games. He only OBP three twenty five. But last year, three eighty. Yeah, two years yeah. or three years ago, three sixty six. The year before that, three seventy two. So he's on but base. Yeah, but, I don't. I don't hate that, the idea of putting also, him two or one. Yeah, that that that's that more. I like the idea that, that Drew threw out there of switching Hicks and and uh, and Lemayhu because what Hicks does better than most people on the team is he draws walks. He draws a lot of mm-hmm. walks. Um, yep. So his his on base percentage is like three fifty, but his batting average is two sixty. That means he's drawn a ton of walks. That's yep. a guy you want b- batting first, right? Making the pitcher mm-hmm. work, setting the tone. And you want DJ, like I understand he gets on base, but you want him to slap that single to drive people home who are on base already. I, I think that makes too much sense for it to not happen. And I'm actually surprised I never thought of that myself. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good call out, Drew. Give me a thumbs up, but uh, uh, visual cue on an audio podcast. <laughs> good radio. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Um, has there been one, have we gone fully through the rotation, right? For the Yankees? Yeah. The tire yeah. made his first start today. Yeah. So is there, is there one starter that jumped out to you? Obviously we know what Cole does, you know, Cole's Cole. We don't have to talk about him, but is there another starter that you were pleasantly surprised with? I am baby. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Kluber, Kluber is like, I think he's going to get into trouble this year. I don't think he has it anymore. Um, so like to, I don't think he's really a number two anymore. But Tyon could totally be that number two for us uh, if he can if he could stay on the field. And I, I don't know, he's got strikeout stuff. Kluber doesn't really have that. Um, you know, he's still he's got he's got like a sweeping curveball and whatnot. I, I like Tyon a lot. Granted, you know, he gave up those two solo runs, and Drew had texted me and said solo runs won't kill you, and they actually did. Um, mm. But. Um, uh, but you know, it, it's it, for someone who hasn't pitched in, in like two and a half years, he looked pretty amazing out there. So, and granted it's the yeah. Orioles, but still yeah, the yeah, Orioles who just gonna, beat you, <laughs> they're going to take it really slow with Kluber and time. They're going to build them up. You know, again, I wasn't, I, I didn't, wasn't expecting Kluber or Tyon to go past five innings in their first couple starts. If they're still doing that in June and July, then I'll be more concerned about them. But I think they're both, you know, 
as expected, uh, you know, the first time out. And uh, as far as pleasant surprises, Jordan Montgomery was was so clutch. Uh, six innings, seven strikeouts looked looked uh, pretty unhittable. And, and like I said, this was my prediction before the season started that I think Montgomery is going to be pitching the second most innings out of that rotation you know, uh, after Cole. So I think he's uh, uh, picking up where he left off in the playoffs. And, you know, he's he's looked like uh, he's coming out firing right out the gate. I saw a few Luizica innings. He looked sharp, too. Oh, Johnny Lasagna. looks real good. Favorites. He looked real sharp. Is there a guy? Oh, we, we, oh, go ahead. No, we said in the beginning of the season with, with, with Johnny Lasagna, like, it's it, it, can they find a role for him? If they can find a role for him, then he will excel in that role, right? But it was just about identifying it. So if he's just going to be a one to two inning pitcher, he's going to do well in that role. Uh, he's got the stuff to do it. He's just yeah. not a starter. And, and it's, it's just, you know, it's always the growing pain of having a pitching prospect come up and, and figuring out if they can actually be a starter because they can be really good starting pitcher in the, in the minors and then they come up and they just don't have it because they need that extra pitch or whatever the case is. He is, if he can, if he can run with that role and he accepts it and let it be that he can be a really good piece of this bullpen. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, they're, they're stopped doing the swing man thing with him. Like that's, that's um, Sessa's role. That's, that's Lucky's role. That's um, Nick Nelson's role. You know, I, uh, Johnny Lasagna is, uh, <laughs> is going to be, you know, relied on in those uh, the sixth, seventh innings to, to get those big uh, high leverage outs. And, you know, I, I, he was my guy last year and, you know, very excited to see him actually thrive in this role. You know, he's got really nasty stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to keep watching him mature. I like how your brain naturally wants to call him lasagna only. Real G's move in silence like lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Now, oh, I'll tell you what, though. Oh, Kalani. Darren O'Day, Darren O'Day is going to be a wild ride all year. Well, that actually leads me to my next question. So, Alec, you can answer it first. Um, who's who do you know already is your guy, whether it's a bullpen guy or a guy uh, backup who comes in for a pinch hit or ends up in a game after a defensive switch? Who's the guy who you know you like already hate? Not, not that you hate, but oh, you're I, just like I so nervous. Is it no, Luke? I, I, text, I texted it to Drew yesterday. I, sometimes it's fun for me to identify that guy like right away even if they really mm-hmm. like you got to give them in reality you have to give them time to prove themselves but like it's just fun for me to have someone on the team to hate right away it's it's licky like i know it's a good story <laughs> i know i know he hasn't pitched in 30 years but like there's probably a reason for it and i know he's not going to be on the team as soon as justin wilson gets back and all that jazz but like I, I love to have a player on the team to hate and like it's getting harder and harder for me to hate clint frazier and Giancarlo Stanton, so I, I have to just cut bait and move on. But there'll always be somebody, and right now it, it's it's lucky. Uh, I I really I really hate Jay Bruce and his inability <laughs> to play first base or hit. Did it or do hit. anything? Yeah, I I know I know what the now I know it's like with you Met fans to that you guys went through. Except, except you know we're not paying him. Uh, whatever the seventeen million dollars that the Mets are paying him to do to do basically what he's doing now, so it's uh, I I I understand. No, I I understand. Mike, on the flip side, as a Mets fan, who is the Yankee who you can't help but love? Wow, what a question. Uh, that's that's tough because I really don't like the Yankees, but I do I do love the game of baseball, and I do right appreciate answer. some good. I do appreciate some good players for sure. Um. I love, I actually do really like Aaron Hicks. Uh, I think the Yankees got, no, no, no. I like his defense. I like his defense. Alex, I, Alex, Alex, Alex stuck I mean? his tongue out bat. for, for listeners. 
but <laughs> but I do I do think that defensively he could be a game changing player, and I think that what they were able to turn him into from what they got him for, um, you know, I think is because he's not he, the Yankees are loaded with DJ LeMahieu, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, so it would be a little too easy. Garrett Cole, like. You know, a little too easy for me to pick one of these guys because, yeah, of course, how could you not love watching these guys as a fan of baseball? But, you know, as someone who I think is maybe a wild card that could be a difference maker, I, I would go Aaron Hicks, of course, more on the defensive side of the of the game. That's my that's usually <clears throat> excuse me. That's usually my default answer, too, because I, I like Hicks a lot. Like he just moves so smoothly around center field. He He's confident out there. He's a switch hitter, which is always kind of fun. <clears throat> and when he connects like, man, he's got a pretty home run ball when he when he's on and uh, he can change the game with his bat as well. So I'm with you there. Well, that's, that's his last full healthy season, he hit 27 home runs, you know? Yeah. So and, and on base percentage, almost 370. So like that's, that's for, and getting elite center field out of him. Like, you know, if he, if he does that, I think you can, you know, you'd be very happy with him. What he does, it still doesn't make him a number three hitter, but uh, you know, he's, he's a very good, he's still a top 10 center fielder in, in baseball. Uh, definitely in top five in the American league. So you know, Alex I, seems I, to have contention there. <laughs> you have contention with that statement, Alec? Uh, by way of what? Of uh, is is Aaron Hicks a top ten center fielder? <laughs> what are we are we are we saying? Is he like defensively or overall? Overall, overall. Uh, I'd have to look at a list. I don't know off the top of my head. I feel like you were really depending on me to have some kind of hot. Oh, I thought I saw some. <laughs> I thought I saw some like eyebrow like. Mm, mm. Yeah, I was fixing my glasses. Ah, all right, all right. <laughs> You can't win them all. I, I do want to add this. Um, Gary Sanchez is a guy who I just want to see hit monster donks all the time. I, it, there's there's a few home runs that are prettier to see than Gary Sanchez connecting. I, I think I think honestly, Gary Sanchez reminds me of like a Nelson Cruz in that sense. I just mentioned Nelson Cruz on the last podcast, so I'm going back to the well. When he hits a moonshot, it is just so sweet and fluid, and the ball flies incredibly high in the air and you just know instantly Gary knows instantly Nelson Cruz knows instantly and it's like oh my god that's when that's when you pick up your phone and you text your buddies like oh my did you just see that did you see that home run right there that was a freaking moonshot so I want to see Gary Sanchez go off uh he's caused Yankee fans a good bit of pain in the past couple years obviously batting under 200 more than once is never good but if he can figure it out you know he can be a guy who shores up the lineup that no one expected to be an issue. Uh, it feels a little tighter now than we would have expected. Um, any any last thoughts on the Yankees before we move over to the Mets and hop around the league? I I, uh, I knew I knew Gary was going to get off to a hot side. I mean, he looked pretty locked in in spring training, and then you know he had two home runs in uh, the first two games, and now he's had uh, multi hit games the last two games. Like uh, he's he's uh, and he's throwing out runners uh, that are stealing. Like he's doing exactly what he needs to do. Um, and I think he, he looks confident at the plate, even when, you know, he's lugging out singles and I, he has a lot to prove. So, uh, I am, I'm very encouraged by his, uh, strong start. Uh, one, one thing I want to note, uh, is that I'm worried about defense all around, not just, uh, Glaber Torres. I, obviously we mentioned Jay Bruce too, but I mean, something that they mentioned about judge was that he's not going to be legging it out on and diving on uh, and throwing his body around because it's the beginning of the season. And it's very apparent. Like, that's okay. 
but like he's he's he looks like a step short out there because he's trying to protect his body and it clearly hasn't mattered anyway um clint frazier misplayed a, a lazy fly ball the other day just dropped down uh they said that uh, Gio Rochelle after his surgery his throw his throws have gone down 10 miles an hour which that's a big concern because that's alarming like, the, if he's not hitting at least you get elite defense but if if he can't make those those long throws as sharp as he used to, that's going to worry me. And Aaron Hicks, like, I, I I don't have the numbers or anything like this. This is just the eye test. But with Aaron Hicks, ever since his surgery, I don't think he has anywhere near the arm that he used to. He moves well out there in, in the outfield. Like, there's no denying that. He's, you know, arguably a top three uh, defensive center fielder in, in the league. But um, his arm does not seem like what it used to be. So all around – outside of dj which second base isn't the hardest position to play um and even gary's defense you know is always suspect there so uh, as the game becomes more micro and micro as we talked about before and like these little moves happen one error can cost you the game it did cost us the game tonight right and and, Mm -hmm. uh it's it's getting tighter and tighter out there and we just don't have good defense like there's no ifs ands or buts about it we don't have a good defensive unit out there I mean, my my last point about the Yankees, I think I would go back to Gary Sanchez. I think this is a – could be considered a make-or-break year for Sanchez. Um, I think that he has a lot to prove. Like we mentioned, he's caused the Yankee fans a lot of pain in recent years. Um, and it's it's so tough because you get so excited when you see him hit a home run. But unfor- how often does he do that? You know what I mean? And, and that's the thing is – or baseball isn't just about hitting home runs. You know, at, at one point, I feel like the game was like that. And now you, you, you kind of have to play all around. You have to play well because, like you just mentioned, Alec, like at, all it takes is you hit a slump or you're in a bad streak, which Sanchez seems to have been in now for a few seasons. You know, it's, it's, the, the clock is ticking, and, and when does it run out? And I think this year is, is huge for Gary Sanchez, and I think he knows it, which is why he seems so locked in and why he's off to such a hot start, but we'll see if he can keep it up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's the what's the quick Aaron Boone vibe check? What's the Boone the Boone check? Overmanaging as usual. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> that was pain from yeah. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think the one of the unfortunate parts about um, you know uh, COVID uh, outside of you know the you know. Uh, millions of people dying in the world is that uh, the the lack of um, reporters going into the clubhouse and like ask, asking actual questions. Um, you know, it's basically whoever the Yankees decide to set up into like the Zoom room. Like they're not sending Aaron Judge in there; he's not going to sit there and answer questions about why the hell he's not playing. So like other his other teammates and Boone have to be the people that are like stepping in front of him and like answering those questions, which is just annoying as shit. Like. I would I I especially at like this point I don't, I'm not sure if like uh judge like understands the difference between playing uh like playing through an injury or playing like actually hurt you know like everyone's going to not feel great 100% of the time um but uh, or if like you actually like if you really hurt and you can't you know, play through the injury. I don't, I'm not sure if he does that. I'm not sure if that adequately answers the question about Aaron Boone, but just it's just something. That, no, it like, does though. I, um, you know, just it's always him. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the manager's job is to you know take fire for the players, but like, as you know, it doesn't it doesn't go that, well though. Something it, that grinds my gears. No, it's fair on the Aaron Boone vibe check front because it doesn't particularly go well. Like Yankee fans shouldn't feel 
instantly when Aaron Boone opens his mouth about an injury that it's going to be wrong. And that's how it is. Like, that's what, that's how you guys feel. I know because you text me or you text our little group chat every time the slightest injury news breaks. You're like, all right, well, today it's a, it's a meaningless injury. He'll be back day to day. And tomorrow he's on the IL. And, and that's frustrating. And you can argue, and I, I'm the type of person sometimes to sit here and say, oh, does it really matter if the fans know as long as it's tight in the clubhouse and everybody's on the same page? Like, yeah, that's an easy answer to say. But from a fan perspective, which we're fans and we enjoy the game and the Yankee fans are rooting for the team, to just be in the dark all the time, it sucks. Like, there's no other way to skin the cat. Like, it sucks when you don't know if you can trust what your manager is saying and you're expecting one lineup today and you're getting a different lineup tomorrow because the injury was undersold and it's way worse than we thought and your favorite player is on the IL. Like, that that sucks. And it falls on Aaron Boom. It's part of his responsibility. But I think it's a very fair uh, complaint for a fan. And realistically, it may not mean much for how the team performs, but it does mean something for, for the vibe standpoint. And I'm sure the players feel similarly. Like, they're out there. They want to play, I'm sure. And they're trying to be like, oh, it's not so bad. And all of a sudden, they're out for a couple weeks. And, and that's that's just a, a crappy way to go about it. Uh, but that's good on the Yankees for now. We'll obviously be back throughout the season every week. We're talking more Yankees. We're talking more Mets. We're going to talk Mets right now. Quick regroup, Subway Sports Talk. We got myself, Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento. Uh, well, what is that? Why do I not be able to say your name in the middle of a sentence anymore, Alec? I keep saying Argento. It's very strange. No, I did change it legally a couple <laughs> weeks ago, but then I changed it back. I've known you for yeah, a long time. Right. I shouldn't be saying your name wrong. Uh, Alec Argento, Andrew Kalania, and Mike Bonfield. Let's talk some Mets now. They've only played one series, so it's a lot harder to really discuss. And like I said, Frank and I just did a longer episode uh, on the Mets this week already, so we won't spend too much time. What's the what's the early vibe check for you, Mike? You're the Mets fan now uh, on this podcast with me. So, you know, what are you, what are you feeling? Obviously, McNeil's hitless to this point. Lindor has one hit. You know, Pete's looking pretty good. Uh, uh, some of the other guys are looking okay. Conforto's a little bit up and down, but he has a couple hits in a couple games, so you can't complain too much. What's What's the vibe check about this team right now? Yeah, so uh, so even though we've only played one series, we actually have a lot of things that we can discuss. Um, real quick, some of the things you mentioned. Uh, McNeil, I've been watching the games. I feel like he kind of can't catch a break right now. He's been hitting the ball hard. Um, and he is someone that I am just so confident in when he gets up to the plate that he is able to get a hit um, because he's just that guy. He's never swinging for the fences. He's always looking to make contact. He can hit the ball anywhere on the field. Uh, so I'm very confident in him. And I think if he just keeps doing his thing, plays his game, plays to his strengths, then the hits are going to come because he's been ripping the ball and guys have just been making plays, which is just part of the game. Um, other things that I've picked up on, uh, like you said, Pete, I think Pete's changed his game a little bit, hitting-wise, his approach to the plate. I think last year he was coming off of that first season of being the home run derby champion and breaking the record. Um, and then I think last year he was swinging at pitches out of the strike zone, which was costing him a lot. I think his discipline at the plate has gotten a lot better, and we've seen that in the spring and now carry over into the regular season. Uh, and he's been hitting for contact, hitting opposite field, which is what we love to see because you can't get up there and just swing for the fences every time. Baseball isn't – you're not going to always win games like that. So I think that's been good, like what I've seen from Pete so far. Uh, J.D. Davis uh, got hit by a pitch on the hand. Um, regular player in the lineup on the field. Uh, they have done two rounds of x-rays, I believe, which have both come back negative, but they're still determining whether or not he'll be placed on the 10-day injured list, which I feel like has been such a common theme around baseball in this first weekend. 
Um, but we'll see what happens with him. Hopefully he's all right and we can get him back out there soon. Uh, but the main takeaway I would take is a negative one. And it's a recurring issue that we've seen these past few seasons and has been, in my opinion, the reason why we are not a playoff team when we should be. We have the roster. We Now we have the pitching staff. Yeah, we've been set back by some injuries, but the bullpen, the bullpen. I mean, we go out this offseason, we get Trevor May, who's had a great few seasons with the Twins. He comes over and his first appearance as a Met gives up a walk in two hits, which is like, all right, it happens. You know what I mean? First game of the season, you're out there. So let's pull him. Let's bring in Aaron Loop, who hits, he plunks Harper. Bases loaded, plunks Harper and walks in a run. I mean, if listen, if you give up a grand slam to Harper, kudos to Harper. He's a great hitter. You know, you probably shouldn't have left the fastball over the plate if that's the case. But you, you don't even give your team a chance. If you go out on the mound, you got your whole defense behind you and you hit the batter. What, we could bring anybody. I could go in there and hit the batter. But this guy's getting paid. Loops getting paid millions of dollars. And like, I get it. You know what I mean? But you're a professional baseball pitcher. You go out there and you throw three pitches and you hit the batter to score a run for the other team in a two nothing game. Playoff teams don't lose games that way. Playoff team, you will not make the playoffs if your bullpen is blowing games all season long. And I think that I was really, as I was watching that happen, I was ready to tweet at Steve Cohen and just say, pay attention because this is what you've been trying to turn this team into a winning franchise. We have been a losing franchise mainly because of our bullpen. That has been such a big issue. And now here we are. And it's like the same thing all over again. So it's just like, you know, I really, really hope that this is not a theme throughout the 2021 season because in a tough division like the NL East, you can't afford to blow games like that throughout the year. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to overreact. Not, and it's not just it hurts. the it's not just the bullpen for the Mets. You know, as a Mets fan, are you guys even excited to watch Jacob Degrom pitch anymore? Nah, like, it's just pain. <laughs> you know, it's so it's, frustrating. It's so frustrating. The guy. Okay, is so, so good. I, I, I've tweeted, I tweeted the stat out the other day from via Mike X. He says, so the Mets since 2018, the Mets are 36 and 41 in Jacob deGrom starts. And in those starts, he, in, he has a 2.07 ERA. So it's not even just the bullpen. It's like the offense and nobody just like, nobody shows up when Jacob deGrom pitches. Like the, he should have 20, 25 more wins than, than what he currently has at the moment. You know, and that's the difference between the Mets making the playoffs the last couple of years. Is like the the Mets just continually just don't score runs for Degrom, or the bullpen blows it for Degrom. Like like it's, I I at this point I I wouldn't be excited to watch him pitch because you know something bad is inevitably going to happen. Uh, you know, after he leaves the game, a hundred percent. And this is why it hurts so bad because it's not even just about Jacob Degrom. This goes back to like Johan Santana. Like, Johan Santana, if you think about uh, his time with the Mets, it's a mixed bag of, of memories because a lot of those games that we should have won, we didn't. Like, his numbers were awesome, and he didn't get a lot of wins because the team couldn't do it. They, they didn't pull around him or, 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 or whatever. They didn't do what it took to win when he was on the mound despite his great performances a lot of the times. So it's not just about DeGrom. It's not just about the first week of the season. This is a reoccurring theme, like Mike said. And that's why it doesn't feel like an overreaction in week one of the season because this is not a, a small sample size. This is a history of a team that can't close the door. And when that's the case, you're going to be guilty until proven innocent. It's not the opposite way. Like I say this all the time in sports. It's not like the American judicial system. You're not innocent until proven guilty. 
you are a choke artist until proven clutch. And right now the Mets are choke artists until proven to be a playoff franchise. Like Mike said, so it, it hits home even in a three game series to start the season of 162. I feel like we're at the point where it's almost expected. Like when, when they pulled the Grom out of that game, aside from the fact that it's the Grom, because like we said, whenever they pulled the Grom, it's almost like, you know, they're going to blow it because they never have more than a two run lead. If he's pitching because they don't score. He doesn't give up runs and they don't score. They must talk about it in the clubhouse before the game starts. They're just like, all right, Jake, go out there, do your thing. Don't give up a run over 10 games and we won't score one for you. And that's literally what happens. And we're at a point where it's expected because when that happened, when May came in the game, walked two hits, Loop came in, hit the batter. It was, we were winning two to one. And I looked at my dad because we were both watching the game together. And I said, they are going to lose this game in this inning. They're going to lose the game. And that's exactly what happened. And we both agreed that it's, is it surprising? No, it's not. But is it unbelievable? Yeah, the fact that this is still happening. This is, and like you said, it goes back. It goes back to Santana. It goes back maybe even further than that if you look at the statistics. But this is just, it's something that Steve Cohen is trying to come in and is promising this change. And like you said, it's not an overreaction because it's the exact opposite. It is the same that we have seen. And we're trying to get away from that. Some stink just don't come out. So first of all, uh, very happy to hear the Mets woes like uh, from from Mets fans because it just makes me feel a little bit better about. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad it does. Today. <laughs> um, but doesn't it just feel like the Mets are always like less like the sum of the Mets is less than the the like the the value of the parts. Right. Um, like the offense is great on paper until Degrom pitches, you know, or or you know the, the starting rotation is great until the bullpen comes in, or the bullpen's great until the. the I mean, it, it's just there's no consistency around. There's no situational awareness for the Mets at all to get with like it, 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 you can't rely on one thing to, to to win you the game. It has to be two factors. It has to be offense and and pitching, right? You can't, you have to score a run on top of it. So it's just like I don't know. You, obviously, the bullpen is the easy target here, but I mean, are you really confident in the pitching staff right now? I mean, you have Degrom, who you can't get a win out of. Drew Peterson or Drew or David? I always forget. I just always see David. Peterson. David. 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 David Peterson. Uh, he got shellacked in the first inning today. Shellacked. He didn't look good. Oh man. Stroman is. I I saw him in the AL East for a long time. I don't think he's anything special. And Taiwan Walker has had his ups and downs in his career. So I mean, you know, it's just not really anything in that rotation that would give me like, oh yeah, I have confidence in this rotation to win multiple games in a row based off of my, uh, off my pitching rotation. And that includes DeGrom because you know that they're probably not going to win those games. Yeah. We know the numbers. I will say Stroman looks good right now. And if I'm not mistaken, he's on a contract here. Yeah. yeah he I believe so. Right I trust a guy like Mark, uh, Marcus Stroman who thinks incredibly highly of himself, obviously like he, he, you know, everybody knows who he is, even though he doesn't like his history and his statistics don't call for everyone to think of him as this high level pitcher because he he's not a, a wonderfully, you know, statistically great guy right now. Like, he just hasn't been, but he's a gr- he's a good pitcher right now. I will say he looks good, and I have faith in him in a contract year to put together one of those seasons where it's like, yeah, yeah, Marcus Stroman was elite, and then he gets paid, and it's like, nah, he was pretty like decent the whole time. You know, so yeah, and I, 
yeah, I brought it up on the on the last on the preview podcast. So he doesn't have a qualifying order attached to him, so he's like an unrestricted free agent coming the year. So like the he'll he'll have uh, the full full potential of uh, of teams to be able to go out and sign him. So I, I think he's he's trying to set himself up to get that bag. Absolutely. I think I think Strowman, one of the best parts of his game is that attitude and the fire that he brings because you need that sometimes. Like baseball is a very slow moving game viewed by most people. And you know, when he's on the mound and he makes a good play or his defense makes a good play behind him, he's getting fired up. And sometimes momentum is huge in sports. And you sometimes you need that guy, especially the guy on the mound, um, to let his guys know behind him that he appreciates them making that play or, you know, to get pumped up and slap gloves on the way to the dugout and, you know, bring that fire. And I think that's, that's part of what the Mets wanted to do going into the season. I mean, this is a little off tangent here, but I don't know if you guys saw that before the season started, while they were down in St. Lucie, they had a practice and they actually pretended to be celebrating the 27th out of game seven of the world series which is like, you know what I mean? Some people might view that as a little cocky, but, you know, I think it's important to be confident. And, like, to, you know, you want to bring a winning culture. You want to practice winning, and you want to be about winning. And I think Stroman is all about winning, and I think that he fits well in New York. So I think he looked good in his first game, and I hope it continues. Yeah. Yeah, I know some people thought it's, like, childish. Like, oh, what is this Little League? You're going to do a celebration? I'm like, yo, you know, people do that at every level. It's a way to have fun, way to have energy, like you said. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I think the energy is right, too. If you think about what Lindor said when he did come to the contract uh, agreement, he's like, the clubhouse is why I agreed for this. He's like, he clearly thinks that they have something going in the right direction uh, that's not just $341 million. It's something with the energy. Uh, it's, it's something with how this team kind of comes together. And they showed it at points last year where the energy was so high. And that brings me to the energy connoisseur of the New York Mets, and he may also be the best hitter on the New York Mets, Dominic Smith. Mets fans will be irate every single time this man's not in the lineup. Andrew, I'm going to you first. Quickly, is he a everyday, like 150 games a year guy? Yeah, absolutely. Like, is absolutely. it any question? Should he be out of any lineup no. when there's a lefty, for like for, for no. example? No, I mean, again, you're going to take him out late in the game for defensive purposes, but again, he should be. If the if the uh, NL had a DH, he'd be in there every day, and his bat puts him uh, absolutely puts him in that lineup every single day. And you have to, you know, hold your nose for the defense in left field. But uh, again, there's there's too much potential with that bat for him to not be in that lineup every single day. And he and he proved it. The first game he was in there, he was just like, "Really, you're going to bench me on open on opening day." After after everything I did in 2020, so like, uh, I, I'd be really disheartened if I was a Mets fan to not see Dom Smith uh, starting left field every single day. I feel like Uncle Steve is the type of owner that he's seeing those tweets and he's like, "All right, Luis, make sure Dom's in the lineup. I don't care what the analytics are saying. I don't care what the GM's telling you. I'm Uncle Steve. Put him in the lineup." Question. I, I so I, when I watch the Mets games, I kind of with the volume up. I'm usually watching something else, but. Uh, Dom Smith looks like he he trimmed down, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's slender now. Yeah, he he did, looks thin sure. out there. Yeah, he's gonna be. A, I mean, you hope you hope he doesn't lose any any pop in his bat, but it doesn't seem like he has. But I mean, that's gonna help him in left. So I mean, you gotta think that his defense improves because of that. I agree, and he you know he wasn't like trash. Last, he's not trash out there anymore. He was trash in the beginning when they first stuck him in the outfield. 
he's not really he's not terrible anymore. And you know, when you're batting three twenty like he did last year, hitting home runs and hitting doubles, you can make a mistake every once in a while in the regular season. I know uh you know, when it comes down to it in the eighth, ninth inning, maybe he will have to get subbed out, and that is what it is. That guy has to be in the lineup. It's pretty it's pretty simple. Um I think that's good on the Mets. Any any last word on the Mets? And then I just want to hop around. You know, maybe everyone calls out one or two interesting things from around the MLB. But any last words on the Mets? Uh, I got one thing uh, that I just thought of. I saw Lucchese pitch today in relief, uh, and I liked what I saw. I think he has an interesting windup. I know he came over from San Diego in the offseason as a starter because there's literally no room for him in the rotation. Um but he's supposed to be their fifth starter, I believe, once they transfer. Right now they went with four starters this week because they have an off day on Friday. But once they get that fifth starter, I believe it's going to be him, and I'm interested and excited to see what he's going to bring. Absolutely. I'm in, I'm in on that. I think Lucchese is a guy that you called out, Andrew, too, before the season yep. to keep yep. an eye on he, there. He, he, yeah. Uh, I, again, with the way the off days were, and especially since the, the first season for the Mets got canceled because of COVID – um, he, you know, he's going to start the season in the bullpen, but I fully expect him to be that, you know, reliable number five starter that eat out innings and give them, you know, a chance to win every time he goes out there. Absolutely. Um, great stuff on the Yankees and Mets there. Let's finish up uh, with just a quick around the league. Just give me one storyline, one team, one player that you kind of have an eye on. It could be someone from your fantasy team. Cause let's be honest when we're talking baseball, it's a lot of local you know, you care about your local team. You care about your Mets or your Yankees or your Phillies or whatever team you care about. And then you play fantasy. So you watch the other guys here and there. You see some national televised games. What are some of the things or who are some of the guys regular fans need to keep an eye out for? Alec, I'll go to you first. Well, as a team as a whole, whatever you want out on the Padres, not because of, oh, it's the Padres, you know, they're they're going to be so good this year they are getting injured and, and it's not just Tatis which we don't know what's going to happen with Tatis but I mean Dinelson Lamette uh I mean he he had the Tanaka situation right where his like UCL is hanging on by a thread he's going to be injured his entire career he's a great pitcher when he's healthy but he's going to be injured his entire career Trent Grisham the young guy uh, their their outfielder he is hurt uh we don't really I, I mean it, it's a it's a soft tissue injury if I'm not mistaken so that could be lingering the entire year. <clears throat> Obviously, Tatis. You got to talk about Tatis. He, um, uh, they're they don't they're not like uh, obliged by uh, MLB rules to tell you exactly what's going on with the injury. And there's no way this guy's that it's just uh, shoulder inflammation, that, which is what they listed it as. From what I read, this this is something that once you have it, it will continue to dislocate until you get the surgery which sounds incredibly uncomfortable uh, to be as a person to just every swing, it might just dislocate on you. So you have to get the surgery for this, uh, for him. It's not like, Oh, let's wait and see. Let's, let's rest him for 10 days. Maybe the inflammation will go down. If it's as serious as it sounds uh, from, you know, like all the, the Twitter doctors and everything like that, uh, you know, that's, that's a really big issue. Plus they have Clevenger out for the entire season um, from, from the Tommy John and whatnot. So that's, Anybody's overs on the Padres should be worried right now if they're a betting, uh, betting. Yeah, and it's a good call out because that was the team everybody would have said. Who's the non-local team that you care about this year? Everybody would have said the Padres, Tatis, Machado. We know all the moves that they made. We know they're trying to now 
really combat the Los Angeles Dodgers and be at that top tier of the National League where they're expected to make the playoffs, expected to be in it. And now Tatis, it says four to six months, I believe, is what I heard last. That's brutal for the game of baseball. It's more brutal for the Padres, obviously. Uh, So that's tough. They could end up having a punt year if things go poorly in the first couple months. We always say you can't win a a season. You can't win a World Series in April, but you can lose one. And if Mm -hmm. they get off to a really slow start, they can be having a really big hill to climb. That can be ugly uh, for the Padres, despite their rebrand. And those new jerseys are just so wonderful. They they really did a good job over there in San Diego. Hopefully they can get healthy, do the right thing. Um, Andrew, anything? Uh, Cincinnati Reds uh, came out. You know, they they scored zero runs in the postseason last year. Uh, they're right now they have a plus thirty one run differentials. They're five and one. Their offense is clicking. Um, you know, Nick Castellanos is doing great. Eugenio Suarez uh, moving from third base to shortstop uh, because they just didn't have a shortstop. They were just like, ah, uh, I guess we'll just move our third baseman over and put Mustakas at third base. They've been a real big surprise uh, there. Um, and, and again, a really weak National League Central. So um, and especially with the pitching injuries and the departures and they really like they really kind of stepped back and they came out really hot. I mean, can anybody name a starter in their starting rotation? Uh, currently outside of Luis Castillo. Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray, yeah. Gray. No, he's hurt. Ah, damn. Oh. Thought I had that, Alec. Castillo was yeah. my answer. Yeah, outside of Sonny outside of Sonny Gray's hurt and Castillo. Um any nobody. So you have Tyler well, give Ma- my credit. Molly. Don't move the goalposts. You ask name somebody you need somebody <laughs> for you. <laughs> I, uh, uh, Jeff Hoffman, Jose De Leon, and Wade Miley are there one through four through five. Wade stars. Miley's the only Guys. name I recognize on that list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jose De Leon was a the Rocky starter for forever. Yep. The, the ever exciting um, Rockies. Actually, they they were exciting I, I, for a couple years in a row. Now they're now they're a trash I, organization. My question to you, Drew, is: Do you think that that is a sustain a sustainable team, or do you and like okay, like even like you expect some kind of dip because they're leading the league in home runs right now, and that's not going to be the thing, but. This to me, and like everyone's making a big deal. I'm not saying you're wrong or anything for bringing it up, but it just seems like the prototypical hot start three weeks yeah. into the season. They'll go on a 15 game losing streak or something like that. Well, I, I if, it, if it wasn't the National League Central, I, I, I think I might incline to agree with you there. Point. But again, it's such, it's such a trash division that, like, again, that nobody really did anything outside of like the Cubs didn't really do anything, Milwaukee didn't do anything, Pittsburgh's the worst. Uh, organization in baseball outside of Colorado um, and you know the St. Louis added Arenado but like that was it that was the big move so like uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all that if Cincinnati made the playoffs this year but uh, I mean they'll definitely be in the conversation and it's mostly because the division's trash also we don't know if extended playoffs are going to be a thing it might just be a thing midway through the season might pop up (laughs) (laughs) I'm hoping for a Rob Manfred lightning strike remember when there's lightning behind him on the tv yeah. like before, yeah. and then he was like yeah there's gonna be guy on second 10th inning I'm like what uh, the season started already yeah, dude all... what the hell are you talking about anyways uh mike I, anything I him <laughs> any last words for you mike uh so andrew actually took my team to keep an eye on because i was gonna say the cincinnati reds been averaging like nine runs a game so far early on in the season uh but i'll go to two individual performances uh, over the first week of baseball uh badu on the Detroit Tigers, uh, you know, kind of movie, you know, couldn't write it any better kind of story. Uh, first pitch he sees 
in the majors, he goes yard. It's a homer. Uh, but on top of that, he's been hitting really well. I believe he had a game-winning hit uh, maybe two days ago. Um, day. yep. Yeah, yeah. So he's been impressive. And Detroit really hasn't been on anybody's radar to be a good team. I mean, I can't believe Miggy is still playing. That's unreal. Um, he still but, has four years left on his contract, by the way, after that's this absurd, year. That's absurd. Absurd. <laughs> I saw the, the home run he hit on opening day in the blizzard. That was that was pretty cool to see that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think Badu, Badu's been impressing early on. And we'll see if Detroit can put something together. Uh, but my other my – other, and this was just an individual one-game performance. Shohei Otani um, pitching, throwing 100 in the top of the first inning, and then coming to bat second in the lineup in the bottom of the first inning and going yard on the first pitch he sees, the definition of pitchers who rake. Um, and I think that that is such a rare thing. I mean, we literally – the Major League Baseball, the pitcher bats for half the teams – and then there's a designated hitter for the other half of the teams. And in the league where there's a designated hitter, this pitcher who's throwing 100 is coming up to bat and hitting the ball 450, 500 feet on any given night. And I just think that that talent um, is underappreciated, especially on the Angels where you have Mike Trout. Um, I still think he gets overshadowed sometimes. And I just think that that's something as a fan of baseball uh, for my entire life and playing the game growing up is something that I – was watching live and was jaw dropped because I, that was just unbelievable. Listen to the crack of the bat here from, from, uh, from his at bat. Oh, like, oh, and then that's the same guy. There's nobody in this stadium. Oh my God. Uh, I do is. love, there I love, I love you for that, Alec, that you like you're staked in the ground. You're like, all right, show high, get him out of here. Mike Trout, don't care. Talk to me when he wins a playoff game. I respect it. I respect where you land there. I really do. Well, show Itani is a different story. It's because he because he spurned uh, the Yankees uh, very badly, and and the, for that I will always hate him. Hey, you know it, it, it's great that he's doing this right now. Next week when he tears his UCL, oh, again, no. we'll have this conversation. Oh no! Oh no! Bring that bad juju, Bobby. Uh, no, ju- no bad Bobby. juju. I'm not. I'm not wishing for it, but history would point that that would happen again. Baseball is yeah. a game of statistics, and to, statistically speaking. It's hard to keep up the pace that he that he's on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, it's tough. Well, yeah, I, first 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 time in 108 years that the pitcher batted high, as high as he did uh, second, uh, yeah, second in the lineup, and it was like the first home run that an AL pitcher uh, hit off another AL pitcher since '74, uh, which was the last year of the non uh, DH. Wow, that's well, a good from my perspective, statistics. it's a bad strategy. You're gonna you're gonna get rid of the DH for the rest of the game because you wanna put uh, Otani in and Otani yeah, gonna have four or five innings. <laughs> I thought I you know what I, I, I actually thought about that during the game, Al. I thought about that. I'm not even kidding. I thought that they should actually just bat Shohei first. So when they do sub him out, it's kinda like the nine hole. Mm-hmm. I was that was my thought. That was my thought there. Makes sense. So what he's doing is putting an undue burden onto onto his team. Oh, by okay. By hitting. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm moving on. I got I got two <laughs> things. I got two Maybe things. Maybe can sub him out for Mike Trout so they could have somebody who could actually hit. Oh my God. Can I mute you? Do I have a mute button on the Zoom over here? I probably do. I'll see myself it's, out. It's, 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 it's around the horn. It gets Get to your mute hands for 15 off seconds. <laughs> Uh, anyways, I'm moving on. I'm moving on from that topic. I have one thing that's small and it's small sample size, but we talked about him in the preview. Randy Arozarena. 
Not a lot of confidence out of Andrew and Alec, the designated hitters themselves, in him to put together another good season. Small sample size again, just like the playoffs last year, but he has five hits and 16 at-bats. Uh, you know, he, he's he's a guy who looks like he's ready to hit the ball day in, day out. He might be a guy that was not just a one-playoff wonder. So we'll see. We'll monitor. I'm not saying anything crazy. I'm just wanting he's to put it out there. Hits. He's got the 16 at-bats. He's got five hits. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you guys thought he was a complete, you know, one-hit wonder, it might not be the case. That's all I'm saying. When people when people figure him out, which will happen, they will pitch. They will be able to pitch to him. This will be a fun thing to monitor because I am now going to follow also, him every he day. He also faced who in the opening series? The Red Sox? Yeah. And how's their rotation this year? Pretty bad. Yeah. All right. So my bet, my point wasn't great, but that's okay. I just wanted to put it out there so we can monitor it moving forward. Uh, but my one that I actually do want to talk about, it's a player who I saw a highlight of. Haven't actually, I did watch a Twins game this year. That's I was almost lied there. I did watch one Twins game this year when they played an afternoon game. I caught during I was uh, when I was working. Byron Buxton is a guy who hasn't particularly put it together in his career. He was number two pick behind Carlos Correa, and you know he's had. Some moments, he's obviously an incredible, incredible athlete. Uh, he plays a six center field, all this stuff. His numbers have never added up. Last year in 40 games, his on-base percentage was only 13 points higher than his batting average. That's not very good at all. He was only walked twice in 135 plate appearances. It's not very good. But he has three home runs already this year. One of those home runs in which I saw was an absolute bomb. And he looks like a stronger man out there on the field right now. He's always been a stud athlete. He's been expected to be awesome for a long time. There's a chance that he has a breakout type season. Everybody likes to say, uh, he'll never be anything too special because uh, he hasn't showed it in his first couple years. He was 21 in the major leagues. That doesn't happen very often. He was 21 years old. Not everybody's Juan Soto being one of the best players on a championship team uh, when they could hardly buy a drink yet. So, I think there's an opportunity for a guy on a good team that hits well, Byron Buxton, to have this coming out party year, age of 27, kind of entering his prime. Keep an eye on, out for Byron Buxton. Classic case of post-prospect hype. Yeah, it, it's kind of it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, realistically, how many guys come in at 21 and, and succeed? Handful, yeah. handfuls of guys. So it's not a lot, and that'll be that'll be cool because he really is a spectacular athlete, a spectacular. So. We'll keep an eye. Uh, but I think that's all we got. Subway Sports Talk. Great one uh, for the boys here. Alec Argento, Andrew Kalanya, Mike Bonfield. Mike, your first time on Subway Sports Talk. How'd it feel? Awesome. I actually genuinely enjoyed this so much. Just I love just talking sports, New York, whether it's New York sports, around the league, whatever it is, man. I can't wait for the next episode we do. Absolutely. And you'll be back for a bunch of those episodes, I'm sure. And it'll be great fun. We have a lot of fun doing this. That's the point. That's why we do it, right? You know, we do it... Uh, to have a good time, to try to build a little following, get some people to listen, to interact. And, you know, I'm doing it to hone the skills of hosting a show and podcast and whatnot. But when it comes down to it, if we're not having fun doing it, there's no point at all. Uh, except when we're I'm doing it to get paid. <laughs> yeah, Al... mm-hmm. that's true. Somehow Alex contract, he's the only one getting paid here. It's, it's really impressive. <laughs> I, I'll talk to you about that later. I'll talk to you about that later. <laughs> I'm, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just here not to lose money while Alex over there just raking in cash. It's unbelievable. And his dog is super cute in the Zoom picture right now. What's up, Cheddar? He's being a good boy. That's right. Uh, Cheddar. But that's all we got for today. Subway Sports Talk for Pete, for Alec, for Andrew, for Mike. That's it. Stay tuned for more next week. Basketball. Baseball. I just got to keep reminding people because it's sneaking up on me. 
The NFL draft is within the month. It's very, very close. Oh, yeah, it is. Very. A lot of offseason moves, too, like, interesting. Yeah. And we, oh, I talked about Sam Darnold by myself on the last episode, but that happened. The Jets are getting Wilson by all accounts. It's going to be exciting come draft time, and that time is very, very near. But for now, we say goodbye. Subway Sports Talk. Have a good one. See you guys. Bye.